Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us at Life Family Church Podcast. We exist to reach, disciple, and empower people to live in the fullness of God. If you're new to our church or want to learn more about us and what we believe, you can check us out online by simply going to lifefamilychurch.net. We hope you enjoy this week's message. When we went into the ministry, it was a, it was a process. We went from <clears throat> working in secular work, and then Pastor Marie went to cosmetology school, and she was in that for 10 years. And God said to me, that it didn't have to be a hard process. The hard process was me. I was the issue. And <clears throat> I've had people want to be in ministry, but they don't want to do the things they have to do to be able to be in ministry. Because, see, when you go into ministry, you step, from a, you step from a congregation member. You step from a... God kind of operates that way. It's like you're in a congregation, and then you have an encounter with God, and then you answer the call to the ministry, and then all of a sudden you become a deacon, and you start working in the ministry. And then all of a sudden, maybe you go to Bible school, you don't, or don't go to Bible school, depending on what God asks you to do. And then if you're called to the traveling ministry, then you start making preparation. But in all, anything and everything in between, you've got to follow His rule book. You've got to do those things. So sometimes you've got to be a Christian. Come on, hello somebody. You've got to be a Christian before you ever step into a place that you're going to be able to teach others and, and minister to others. <clears throat> Most of the time, people see what's up here. And they see the miracles and the signs and the wonders and they see the multitudes of people. But then they don't want to go through the process to get to the multitudes of people. The disciples themselves was three and a half years, but they were with Jesus three and a half years, day and night. They gave up everything and trusted the Lord. Now, 2,000 years later, the process is the same about giving up everything, but the process can also be, you know, it doesn't have to be as tough as most people. I mean, I've, I've had people tell me they, they were like, you know, when, when they went to Ramah and they graduated two years of Ramah and then the Lord spoke to them about not working secular work and go full-time in traveling ministry. That was probably, that's really tough. I'll just tell you right now because you really, you really have to have some faith to do that. Come on now. Now, if you've got a wife and kids, unless, unless you really have heard for God, Okay, okay, it's okay for you to suffer if you want to suffer, but it's not okay for your wife and your kids to suffer. Come on, hello, somebody. It's not okay for that to happen. Amen. Amen. I mean, even John G. Lake, when he was in Africa, and there was a, a very wealthy donor that supported his ministry every single month, and that wealthy donor got offended with John G. Lake, and he pulled his money. And, of course, you know, John G. Lake's wife and their, his children died in Africa. But they made that choice. Because he was going to send them back to America. He was going to stay. He told all the staff members. He told his wife and kids, listen, this is what happened. This man is no longer supporting us. And, you know, I'm going to stay. But I want you guys to go ahead and go. And they all said, no, we're staying with you. Whether we die here or not die here, we stay here with you. Okay, that was their choice. Okay. Come on. Hello, somebody. Come on. Now, Peter was married. I don't, you know, he had two daughters. Come on. Hello, somebody. Amen. So he had a professional a fishing business. He was a professional fisherman, him and his brother, right? 
So he trusted the Lord. And actually, he even said in portions of the scriptures, Lord, we've given up everything. And then all of a sudden, God said, well, anybody that gives up anything, houses or lands and friends and family for my sake, will receive a hundredfold in this life. In this life, houses and lands and man. Come on, hello, somebody. So watch this. It just shows you the sacrifice of your heart that you've got to make before the houses and lands. But if you're not doing Christian things and being a Christian and being a light and following the word of God, then how can God ever take you from point A to point B? He can't take you. And sometimes it's the ones that feel called to the ministry that are absolutely not doing the things they want to do. They see something, and I think God shows something, but there's a process. It's a process that you have to go through to get to that place. Amen. Sometimes God gives me little glimpses that I think is to, to encourage me, to give me hope. To keep on going. And he'll give you little glimpses too to help you. Now in the last few Sundays we've been talking a lot about prophecy. And we've been talking about some of the things. You know, isn't it interesting that Rosh Hashanah was in the month of September, which is actually God's new year. So we, we operate on the Gregorian calendar, but God operates on the Jewish calendar. Pastor Marie and I actually just came into that revelation of why was God giving us prophecies in the month of September and October. And it just finally dawned on us. It was God's new year. So God's beginning to speak. And we're starting to hear, you know, every year for the last 10 years, especially when we've heard the church, well, it's always been that way. God will just give us some insight about what he's going to do in the next year, two years, even maybe even up to five or six years of what he's going to do. And we're able to share that with the body of Christ. So it's very interesting what God is saying and what he's doing. It will ultimately end up to what type of church that he's coming back for. He's coming back for a glorious church. Amen. Your Bible through the book of Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 27. It says this, that he might present himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that it should be holy and without blemish. The glorious church. The first thing that God is endeavoring to do is that he's bringing his body back into holiness. And he's being patient with us. He's kind with us. He has long patience. Who can exalt the, uh, you know, exhaust the patience of God? We can't. But he gives us opportunity to make those adjustments. That we're walking out our salvation with fear and trembling. And you have to remember it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little things the little compromises that we all make, the little things that we yield to our flesh. Can you say amen? amen. We know this to be true because 1 Corinthians three sixteen and 17 says this, Know you not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which you are. We are the temple of God. So he's bringing us to a point to the place where the spirit of the living God is telling us to make course corrections, to start doing what we know to do is right. The Bible says if we don't do what is right, to us it is what? It is sin. You cannot use the word mistake in place of sin. Uh Uh-oh, somebody needs to put that on Facebook right there. That was a good Facebook quote right there. You cannot use the word mistake in in place of the word sin. So he's going to deal with, listen, the Bible says that judgment begins in the house of the Lord. And sometimes we think judgment is like that God's going to destroy. No, that's not it. It's, it's the result of making these mistakes. Compromising. 
Come on, hello. Yielding to things of our flesh. But here's something that's way cool. Peter one day was talking to the Lord, and he said, Lord, how many times am I to forgive my brethren? Up to seven times, Lord. Woohoo! Because see, in Jewish tradition, it's supposed to be five times. So he thought, I'll just do two more times, and I'll be pleasing to the Lord. If I can forgive my brethren. Listen, seven times in a day, if somebody, I can do it. I can forgive them seven times. And then Jesus busted a move on him, and he said, 70 times seven. And he's like, 70 times? That's 390 times. Oh, snap. You mean, if I sin against my brother or my brother sins against me, I got to forgive him up to 390 times in a day? No wonder he said, Lord, help my faith. Now, isn't that interesting? God would never hold us to a standard in which he doesn't hold himself to a standard. Can you say amen? So anytime we make a mistake... Come on, every time we fall from grace, falling from grace, what is falling from grace? If grace is God's ability on our inability, if God's ability to do something, and we fall from that because of our yielding to our flesh, then how many times is God to forgive us? 390 times, even if we mess up 390 times in a day. That's the reason why in the morning his mercy is new. Praise God. Amen. It's a new day. The past is the past. He, if you've repented, you've asked God to forgive you. He doesn't even remember it. Why? Because the Bible says he casts it into the sea of forgetfulness as far as from the east is to the west. Amen. How come he didn't say north and south? Because there's a north pole and there's a south pole. Amen. Heat miser and snow miser. Come on now. South town, right? Come on. Yeah. No, he's a God of holiness. The Message Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 3, 16. says, you realize, don't you, that you are the temple of God? And God himself is present in you. No one will get by with vandalizing God's temple. You can be sure of that. God's temple is sacred. And you remember, are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Jonathan Edwards wrote this. He said this, a true love of God must begin with the delight in his holiness. And now with a delight in any other attribute, for no other attribute is truly lovely without this. God is holy, so therefore we must also be holy. So what's going to happen in these next few months? What's going to happen in the next few years as we approach the great awakening? Holiness will be brought back to it. Because he's coming back for a church without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. Come on, hello, somebody. Unfortunately, for in the United States of America, because we live in a democracy, we don't really understand the kingdom of God, which is actually a theocracy. See, the kingdom of God is a king, not a president. We don't vote the king in or vote the king out. No, he is the king of kings. So therefore, it is his kingship, his rulership, and his rules. Because he's a king. We don't, we don't have votes in, in the church. Sorry, I mean, at least not here we don't. Can't vote me out as a pastor or vote me in. Hello, I'm sorry. Can't do that. I mean, we have the legal entity of the board, but the board loves me. If they, don't, they stop loving me, get off the board. Praise God, amen. <laughs> well, we just really don't know you. That's right, the reason why. Because to know me is to love me. Praise God, amen. Yeah. <laughs> God is a holy God, and he's demanding of his children to be holy. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16 says this, But he that which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. 
So that's what I'm talking about. you got to be a Christian being. you got to be doing these principles that we've learned. It's not like, well, I like that one, I like that one. Well, I, I particularly don't like that one, and I just don't like that one. Well, I just don't believe that. I believe that, but I just don't believe that. Well, I believe that. I don't believe that, and I don't believe that. Well, you might as well just rip all the healing scriptures out of the Bible if you don't believe that. And you might as well rip all the prosperity scriptures out of the Bible if you don't believe that. What do you believe? Well, I'm not really sure. I, I think maybe I just like the part where I'm not really sure that I just don't get to go to hell. I like heaven part, praise God. I don't like the hell part. You know, I, I, it's like Jonathan Shuttlesworth was sharing a little bit. He said he was on an airplane sitting in first class, and he was sitting next to a very pretty woman. She was all got gold and all that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden she turns to him and says, what do you do? And he said, I'm a preacher. She said, you're a preacher. He said, yeah, what do you do? She said, I'm a businesswoman. Oh, okay. And then she leans over and she said, you know, I don't like that prosperity thing. And he leaned over and he said, well, by the gold and the jewelry, I guess you don't like it either. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Yeah. You know, aren't you supposed to give all your money to the poor? What are you doing? Well, I'm a slumlord. Oh, okay. I see. I understand. I understand. You're taking all the money from the poor. Okay. I just don't believe in that prosperity. What do you believe in poverty? I just don't believe in that healing. What do you believe in sickness? Everybody believes in something. Come on. Hello, somebody. Everybody serves a God. Some, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers, depending on how they're playing that day. I mean, I don't know. Could be the Buccaneers, maybe. Well, ooh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't spend any money going there, praise God. I wouldn't even go to buy popcorn, praise God. No, A.W. Tozer wrote this. He said this, God is holy with an absolute holiness that, that knows no degree. And this he cannot impart to his creatures, but there is a relative and contingent holiness which he shares with his angels and seraphim in heaven with redeemed men on earth as their preparation for heaven. This holiness God can and does impart to his children. He shares it with them by imputation and impartation, and because it's been made available to them through the blood of the Lamb, he required it of them. I mean, my goodness. I don't think, when's the last time you ever heard a message on holiness? and living pure and holy no it's almost like the 12 steps to the best you now come on hello it's always it's a tickling ear kind of thing don't even mention sin call it a mistake don't even mention holiness in the church don't even mention hell you may offend somebody in the back row <laughs> Come on, hello. Because you know how people go, you know, this is what happens. You know, people, they get excited for, oh, this is a great this is a place. And then sometimes they'll sit in the front row. And then when they start getting all disgruntled, they'll go to the second row. And then when they're a little bit more disgruntled, they'll go to the third row. And then when they're just about on the way out, they'll sit in the back row. No, I hope you all aren't the way out. Praise God. Amen. I'm not talking about y'all. Y'all are here. But I'm just saying, that's how the progressiveness seems to work. And then the progressive is like this. If they, they start tithing, and all of a sudden they stop tithing. Because the Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart is also. When your heart begins to leave, guess what happens? I'm going to tell it all. I'm telling all the secrets. When your heart begins to leave, your finances go with it. And sometimes the, fi- the heart leaves before the finances even do sometimes. It just ultimately ends that because that's where your treasure is. That's where your heart is. Hallelujah. Welcome to Sunday night. I'm so glad that you could decide to join us this evening. 
Come on, hello. That's what happens with people's hearts. How, how do you know this? It's 20, 23 years. 23 years of all kinds of churches talking to all kinds of pastors and all kinds of ministers over the years. Yeah. I thank God that you all come out on Sunday nights and I thank God that all of y'all are tithers and that y'all are givers and you love the ministry and you want to win souls. I believe that God has placed you here. For even if it's a temporary season, God's placed you here to put something on the inside of you. Amen. Because Amen. Amen. you belong to the Lord. You don't belong to Marie and I. You belong to the Lord. And however long that is, praise God. Amen. And we'll know it. I'll know when it's time for you to go and I'll know it when it's time for you to stay. Amen. Just don't go prematurely. Amen. And believe me, no other minister is going to minister you if this minister hears from the Holy Ghost and says, no, it might be, it's not that it's not wrong, it's just the timing issue. Just wait a little longer. Wait a little longer. It's okay. There's some things that need to be imparted before you go to the next season. Don't cut yourself short. Hello, because you might end up, I wish I should have, could have. Hello, somebody. Come on. And don't ever lose the joy because that's what you were birthed out of. Hello. And you, sometimes you have to remember the reason why you're here and how you got here. Not all of you, but you have to remember how you're here and how you got here. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Kind of, I, you know, this, this is what the Lord told me 10 years ago. He said, listen, on Sunday mornings, be a little bit more conservative. Be kind of like that because you've got newbies coming. Don't blow them up. Don't blow them out. But then he said, Sunday night, no holds bar, baby. Praise God. Amen. Don't withhold. Just put it out there. So we're going to put it out there. And it's from a place of experience. It's not like, listen, when I write my books, I've written three books. I didn't write from the place of just biblical principles. There are some people that write books just based on biblical principles. But I've written books based upon life experience. Hello. And where we've been and what we've gone through. And there's some things I don't even remember. My, My God. And then it comes back to my remembrance, and I wish I didn't remember it. Praise God. Amen. You know what I'm saying? Hallelujah. Whoo, glory to God. I remember Brother Hagin would tell us stories all the time. Like he would go, when he was traveling, he'd go to these old time Pentecostal churches, right? With these wood floors with wood pews. And I remember this one time we went to this church. Uh, it was the first Pentecostal church in um, Pittsburgh, Kansas. And sure enough, man, it, and we were like our second year at Rainbow, and we got invited to come to this church. And when I went to the church, we all walked in. I mean, it was a wooden church building with a steeple on top and everything with wooden stairs. You walk with wooden doors. And when you walk in, all these wooden floors and all these wooden pews with a wooden platform and everything. And I remember that at that time we had um, Be- Becky, her- Becky uh, what was her name? Becky, I can't remember her name. But she was a, a first-year Rainbow student, and she would travel with us and play the piano. And so... It, for music and stuff. So she'd get up on the piano and the key, I mean, it was like out of tune. Some of the key, the ivories weren't even working. And I remember there was this little drum set. I mean, it was like on the side and, oh my gosh. So I could play the drums and then Becky would play the piano and then Marie would sing a little bit kind of thing. Can you imagine that? She was on the worship team. Pastor Marie was. And we get up there and and as I'm playing the drums, the drums start scooting across the front of the, and a youth got up and he just held his foot there while I'm playing the drums. 
and all these keys. Part of the keys were missing and all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden, I remember, you know, they took up the offering for us, which was actually three bars of, of Velveeta cheese. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. I remember. You know, not, I am not kidding. We got, we got three boxes of Velveeta cheese. And, and then Pastor Bruce was like, oh, my gosh. And you, you, do you remember that? You don't remember that, do you? You don't remember that? Three boxes of Velveeta cheese? Oh, my Lord Jesus. So you, and drove two and a half hours one way. Velveeta cheese. And then, you know, they, <laughs> then there was this recluse spider. It was huge. Okay, so I'm preaching and all that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, Pastor Marie starts laughing. And then Becky starts laughing and, and things like that. I'm thinking, man, the joy must be hitting. I can't wait to get there. And what they were laughing was, is every time I moved toward the spider, the spider is, doo, doo, doo. so they're laughing. And I'm thinking it's the joy breaking out. And they're laughing because the spider's moving closer and closer and closer. And then the, Marie's like, you know. <laughs> so I looked down. I went, oh, my gosh, boom. And it was resounding throughout the whole thing. And then we drive two and a half hours, almost three hours back home to go to Rama. You know, it was, you want to be in ministry, right? How about this? You get a telephone call from a pastor and says, I really like the way you do your message, your, you know, your financial message. We're having a camp meeting this week and all that kind of stuff. Could you just come and maybe, you know, give the offering message? And I'm like, well, sure, sure, I'll go. So I drive, you know, three hours one way, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm sitting on the front row, and they say, well, we have a guest minister. He's going to come do the offering message. And all of a sudden, you know, I get up, and I do the offering message. They take up a big offering, and then I sat back down, and the pastor leans over. He said, well, you can go now. Thank you very much. And I thought, oh, okay, great. So I get up and walk out and drive three and a half hours. Didn't, didn't give me anything. Just like the way they did the offering message. Isn't that crazy? We called the ministry. Called in the ministry. Coming back for a glorious church, a victorious church, without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. Oh, hallelujah. I mean, going, we went to this small town called Altoona, Kansas. Population 300. It's a place you go to on purpose. You drive right through on, on it on 41, Highway 41, which is two-lane highway out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, you just, it, one stoplight, and it's blinking. Yeah, mm. Altoona, Kansas. Come out. I want you to do a revival. Why don't you do? Come do a revival. Revival. Okay, we'll come. Where did you stay? We stayed in this like little room attached to the house, which was the parsonage thing with their little refrigerator. And the most exciting thing that we did during the day was go out to the railroad track and put pennies on the railroad track because at twelve noon the train came. And then I remember John and Josh got these little penny nails. You know, you put the little penny nails and it turns them into swords when, you, you know, when the train goes over them, okay? And then, you, you know, you're sweating so much in your suit and then you got to wash the suit. But then you wash your clothes and your shirts and all of a sudden your shirts turn a, a nice kind of orange, reddish color because the rust in the pipes in this town, right? And then, you know, and you're preaching and the joy's breaking out and people are being blessed, but the pastor's wife's getting mad and the pastor's getting mad too. And all of a sudden, all the demons, I mean, deacon board, they all get mad too. And then, you know, and then after the service, you know, on Thursday night, after you have the anointing service and before you have that service, the pastor calls you into his office after four days of having these meetings. And he says, I want to meet with you before this evening service. And then he says to you, I just want to let you know, I appreciate your ministry. I do not like those words as of today. I appreciate your ministry because I know that something else is coming after those words. I'm just going to tell you right now. 
It's an experience. I appreciate your ministry. I appreciate it. But, but over the last four days, you kind of remind me of Dr. Rodney Howard Brown. He said, I've been getting up at four in the morning watching Dr. Rodney, and then when I don't like what I have to see, I just switch the TV off. So what was he saying to me? I can't switch you off. And he said, this is what we're going to do. He said, you can go ahead and do tonight's service and everything like that. But Friday night and Saturday night and Sunday, he said, I'll just go ahead and take over. You're more than welcome to stay if you like to. But I'll be just taking, I'll just be taking the service over. I said, well, Pastor, I really appreciate it and things like that. I said, but, you know, I just, I just kind of wonder. I said, is there anything, I mean, what is it that's upsetting you? He said, well, I just don't like the way you do your prayer lines. And I'm like, well, like, what do you mean you don't like the way I do my prayer lines? He said, you start praying for people people and they start falling into the power of God about five to six to eight people down with no catchers and I'm thinking to myself what does it have to do with me Uh, but I didn't say that I didn't say very respectful very respectful and I said well you do you want me to do the same thing we've been doing I mean I'm trying to be submissive here come on hello somebody I'm four hours away from Tulsa amen And he said, oh, okay, you can go ahead and take up tonight's offering and all that kind of stuff and go ahead and do. But tomorrow night I'll take over and things like that and you can more than say. And I said, well, you know, I just, what, I, what I'd like to do is if it's okay with you that after the service we'll just, we'll just go ahead and go on home. It's okay. Okay, that's what you want to do. You can go ahead and do it. I said, okay. So all of a sudden, you know, well, it came the Thursday night and, and this always happened on the Thursday night meeting because I always talked about the anointing on the Thursday night meeting. We have an anointing service because I realized this, revival can't come to a church unless it hits the leaders. Because as the leader is, so the people are. That's just the way it is. It doesn't matter if a congregation member is coming to a revival service and gets touched unless that pastor wants a move of God. That church is not having a move of God. Come on, hello, somebody. God is a God of order. So I began to preach on the anointing. And I remember I had a call. I said, listen, if you want the anointing of God, especially if you're leaders in the church, I want you to come forward now. And all of a sudden, everybody started coming forward. And the pastor's wife, who was angry and upset and everything was happening because it was just... And then she came forward, and she, she was the first one up front. First one. And all of a sudden, everybody came. And so she's standing on this side of the room, and I decided to step off the platform and lay my hands. And as soon as I did, boom, she hit the dirt. His, the pastor's wife. Hit the, I almost turned to him and said, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. But I didn't, I didn't say that. I didn't do that. In the name of Jesus, 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 in the name of Jesus. And I said, Pastor, it's yours. I handed the microphone and I went and sat in the back row. Because that's what he wanted to do. I realize now that he's responsible for God. For anything, that, this is his house, that's where he's, the pastor's house, that's what he, hello, he's not responsible for God. So I went and sat in the back row. And then all of a sudden he got up there and he said, well, I just wanted to let you know, everybody know I appreciate Brother Jack's ministry. No, he was just upset because every evening after service, I would sit in his lazy boy chair and he didn't like it. <laughs> me sitting in his, he wanted me on the couch. But I would come and sit in his lazy boy chair. <laughs> Because he'd come in late, you know, and see me in the lazy boy chair. Oh, I really like this chair, Pastor. This is really nice. <laughs> what are we having? We're having mac and cheese. Oh, praise God. Amen. Love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Have mac and cheese. 
So he gets up, watch this. He gets up and he said, I just want to appreciate Brother Jack's ministry. And then he says this, Brother Jack, do you have anything more? And the anointing hit me. So I do. So I walked up. And I, I kind of remember the prophecy that I said. And this was, oh my gosh, this is probably 15, 18 years ago. And I said, thus saith the Lord God Almighty, this place will be a beacon. People will come from the north, the south, and the east, and the west. A revival will hit this place. People will come for deliverance. They will come. They're drug addicts, they're alcoholics, and methamphetamines. I said, they'll be far-reaching. It'll be a beacon like a lighthouse. And they'll come. And they'll come to this place. And they'll be delivered. And they'll be healed. And they'll be set free. The pastor's wife gets up off the floor, starts screaming at the top of her lungs, God, forgive me. Forgive me for judging the move of God. Forgive me for judging the man of God. Forgive me, God. Forgive me. The praise and worship leader gets up off the floor. God, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. She starts screaming at the top of her lungs. So we went and had a final meal with the pastor and said, thank you very much. And we decided to go home and went me home. Now, I heard this later. When that pastor got up Sunday morning, he opened the Bible to the book of Acts and he started reading Acts chapter 2. He fell out. Boom! I mean, boom! He was stuck underneath this. His blessed assurance was here. And he was kind of a big guy. But his whole, half his body was stuck up underneath. He's shaking. He's laughing uncontrollably. And revival hit that man's church. And for nine months, he ran three Sunday morning services. He ran, his youth group went from five to ten to over 60 kids. His church went from like 30 to about 150. In a town of 250 people to 300. Nine months, that, that sucker. And then later he invited me to come back. Praise God, amen. <laughs> What's God doing? He's coming back for a glorious church without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. Because see, these little petty things are going to start falling off. Because God's calling His own. That's the time we're living in. We're right on the verge. We're right on the verge. The right, we're right on the verge. I know it's not me and Pastor Maria in this town. I know it like I know my name. We preach the word to the best of our ability. We have the gifts of the Spirit in operation. But God is bringing people here. And He is bringing people to have an opportunity. I'm sorry you can't take the bump, 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 bump. But if you would have stayed, maybe God would have, imp- <laughs> maybe God would have imparted something into your spirit. And, t- <laughs> and taking you to another level. Come on, hello, somebody. Hello. Do you know that there's been almost 800 to 1,000 people have gone through this church since the inception of this church? And how we know that is because on PCO, we can keep the numbers of visitors. Those were visitors that filled out cards. So I know that God is sending. He's endeavoring to get His bride right. Hello. He's endeavoring. But it hasn't stopped us from going to the nations of the world. Hello? It hasn't stopped us with the multitudes upon multitudes upon multitudes that have been saved. I can honestly tell you that God's honest truth. More than a million people out of this ministry has heard the gospel. And I can honestly say at least 300,000 people. It could be more. It could be less. But I think at least um, without evangelistically speaking, at least 300,000 people in the last 23 years have been born again. Let alone the ones that have been healed and the miraculous and the blind seeing and the deaf hearing, the lame walking. Please forgive us for wanting to have a sanctuary and according to the word. 
I think that's probably the only reason why we actually have a move of God and the anointing of God is here because we're just sticklers for the word. We stay with the word. We don't give our own opinions. I, what is it? A personal opinion. It's a transitory thought on the sea of, of whatever. Praise God. Amen. Of a personal universe. That's what it is. It's a transitory thought on the seas of a personal universe. What is that? That's an opinion. Praise God. Amen. What does that mean? Absolutely nothing. That's what that means. Come on. Hello. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So he's coming back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or blemish. He's coming back for a prosperous and healthy church. Come on now. Hello. Jesus left that way, prosperous and healthy. Amen. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. He became sickness. He became poverty and became life so that we don't have to have that in this life. Hallelujah. God doesn't mind you having things as long as the things don't have you. And when God increases you, make sure you increase the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. He'll increase you. Amen. That's the truth. He's looking for a church that's joyous and look, it's on fire. Amen. He's not looking for a down depressed, hello, downtrodden, traditional. What is, tradi- what is a traditional church? What does that mean? The first church of the funeral home? <laughs> Were they, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> they pray a deluge or something like that. You know, I mean, I, I don't understand. I mean, listen, I, I, I understand a little bit. I mean, if you grow up in religion, I know what a traditional church is. I mean, I grew up Church of Christ. You can't get any more traditional than that. Hello, with no music in the church, and you got to get water baptized to be saved. I mean, if you don't get water baptized, then you're destined to hell. That's the way it is. I mean, if you're on your sick bed and you hadn't gotten water baptized, the deacon's like, too, too late, bub. <laughs> you're on your way. Can't help you. You should have did it when you had the chance. That's the church of Christ. And then you got the church of God and the assembly of God. And I'm not downing on those denominations. Please, don't, I am not down. But that's traditional. Jesus wasn't traditional. Amen. Did you see anywhere in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John Jesus being traditional? No. I mean, I, he, how about John the Baptist? The dude ate, he ate locusts and he wore camel's hair or something, or bear's hair. <laughs> <laughs> he had a locust leg stuck between his teeth. Repent for the kingdom of God. I mean, if you didn't repent after seeing John the Baptist, I mean, come on, hello, somebody. I know, it wasn't bugs. Listen, locust is actually a fruit in Israel, okay? So I just wanted to make sure that I had right doctrine, okay? It wasn't a locust leg stuck in between his teeth. But you know what? It would be like Jonah coming out of the belly of the fish. Praise God, amen. Seaweed all wrapped around your hair, your, your bleach white, and suddenly he goes into Nineveh, repent, repent. Okay, then everybody would repent after you're seeing Jonah, right? Three days in the belly of a fish. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So he's looking for a church that's joyous in Romans 14, 17. Watch this. Romans 14, 17. Watch this. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. If, we, if you can't get the manifestation of the joy, you're not partaking of the kingdom of God because that's what that is. If people are mad over the joy, of the Lord, somebody having a manifestation of joy that's bubbling out of their belly, Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, right? Standing with God, God's ways of doing peace. Hello, the Prince of Peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Joy in the Holy Ghost. It's a, it's a fundamental heavenly doctrine to get the joy. 
have a bubble up. Listen, it's in uh, the book of um, Isaiah 29, verse 9, out of the amplified version of the Bible. Stop and wonder at this prophecy if you choose, whether you understand it or not. Soon you will witness the actual event and be confounded reluctantly. Blind yourself now if you choose, then be blinded at the actual occurrence. They are drunk, but not from wine. They stagger, but not from strong drink, but from spiritual stupor. For God has poured apart up here the spirit of deep sleep. Drunkenness in the Holy Ghost, getting drunk in the Spirit, is a physical manifestation as a result of the infilling of the Spirit of God. Because anytime you come in contact with the supernatural power of God, something's going to take place. It's impossible to have revival without a move of the Holy Ghost. It's impossible to have an awakening without the gifts of the Spirit and manifestation. It's impossible to have a move of God without signs, wonders, and miracles. I'm even sure that Pharaoh was astounded by the signs, wonders, and miracles that took place. It's impossible. How how is the world going to know that God really exists when they can't see him? Hello, I know he's going to know him by the... They'll know we are Christians by our love. Well, love will produce power. Well, that's another Facebook yeah. quote. Somebody needs to write that down. Yeah. Praise him. Love produces power. Yeah. Amen. Come on. Amen. Amen. So God wants to set us on fire. Joy is a distinctly Christian word, and it's a Christian thing. It is the reverse of happiness. Happiness is a result of what happens in an agreeable sort. sort. Joy has its spring down deep on the inside, and that spring never runs dry no matter what happens. Only Jesus gives that joy. He had joy singing its music within, even under the shadow of the cross. Isaiah 12, 3 says this, Therefore with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. Proverbs 17, 22, A merry heart doeth good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. 1 Peter 1.8, Whom he have not seen, ye love, and whom that now you see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with a joy unspeakable and full of glory. So this joy runs deep. It's a fountain, an ever-unceasing fountain that bubbles up into everlasting life. And it's a, there's a manifestation of the glory of Almighty God. And it comes within. You cannot come, talk, come and talk. <laughs> I felt a drinking. I felt a drinking right there. You cannot come in contact with an unseen God without having a manifestation of his presence. Right. If you come in contact with an unseen God, you're going to be manifested by his presence. Amen. And his presence can be unseen. He's the invisible man. Right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If the early church started with fire, the ending church will start with a blaze. That's another Facebook quote right there. I was going to tell you right now, they're coming, they're coming from heaven. You better ride these suckers down. Praise God. Amen. They're coming from heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. If the early church started with drunkenness, you can sure bet it will end with it too. Amen. Everything that seemingly seemed to have been lost over the last 2,000 plus years will be restored and then some. And then some. To the point that even your shadow crosses somebody that's in a wheelchair at Walmart and they come out of the wheelchair. You're just walking by, just walking by, and your shadow, the shadow of the anointing that's upon your life comes across somebody and all of a sudden they just get out of the wheelchair. And they don't even know what even happened. 
I was on aisle 15. There were 15 people there trying to get Briar's ice cream. Somebody just walked by, and all of a sudden, I just felt, the, I felt some kind of presence come on me, and I felt strength where I had no strength in my legs, and it strengthened me, and suddenly I felt that I could get up and just walk. Amen. I have to believe it. I have to believe it. I mean, it's been prophesied, even, even from the prophet Joel. Come on now. That an accumulation of every move of God that we've ever experienced. I don't want to miss it. I don't. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. I was kind of a little bit on Facebook this afternoon looking at some things, and I came across some, a couple churches. One was in like Latin America, and there was another church somewhere else. And man, the, people, the place was packed full. And they were just, and you, I felt the anointing in both places. Just packed full. See, here, here's the deal. At, at least in this ministry and in this church, we do have a God's eye view. And we're hooked up with individuals that have a God's eye view. You guys have been on the mission fields. You, you know, you see what God sees. You see the sea of, of humanity. So we have that. We're, we're not just limited to the, to the town that we're in. I love this town. I just pray that this town doesn't end up on the spiritual junk heap. I don't. I do. I, I pray that there, there would be people that were so hungry for, for God. And it's not that we haven't swung the bat really hard in this town. We have swung the folks. I can stand before God Almighty and say we have swung the bat. If you've been around here far, for any time, you, could, you know we have swung the bat hard. I mean, all the outreaches that we've done, all the parks that we've done, rented the Plant City Stadium, did the first ever. Did the, since the inception of the stadium, we did the first ever Easter egg. 2,500 people came. Rick Lott came, stood on the platform, addressed the people, gave away over 30,000 eggs. Yeah, of course they came for the eggs and all that kind of stuff, but we preached the gospel to them. I think we water baptized maybe 25 or 30 people, and I think maybe 150, almost 200 people gave their hearts to Christ for the first time. But that's okay. We did it. I mean, it's not, we haven't done it. I mean, how many outreaches have we done over here, out here in the last five years that we've owned the property? We have swung the bat. How many flyers? How many door hangers? <laughs> we have swung the bat, and we have swung it hard. Nobody could ever say, well, did you do flyers? <laughs> did you put ads in the paper? I mean, did you, just, did you go knocking on doors so winning? We rented the stadium. $15,000 that sucker cost. And we tried to partner with many other churches. Only one church out of the 130,000 churches that are in Plant City. 130, I'm sorry, 130, 130 churches. I, that slipped out of my mouth. That's, that's, that was a slip of the tongue. 130 churches, if not more. There's probably more than, I don't know. I'm not sure. There's a lot. Yeah, they're close to it. We tried to partner with we, we, even, we didn't even put our name. Well, the only time we put our name is when nobody else would join us except for one church. And we put the banner up there and we put their banner in the front. We, we, we actually built it to the community that it was just a, a church, a community event. And we were willing to do all the work and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. we, we swung the bat hard. Hello. Yes? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you can't ever say that we didn't try. Yeah, amen.
So we're just going to keep on going. I'm excited about this this event that we're doing on December the seventh. You know, Mike's going to send a couple bump bump songs. Praise God, Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Andrew's going to give a testimony about how he came out of drugs and all that kind of stuff, and we're going to give away bicycles and all kinds of good things. We're going to throw the net. Hallelujah. I'm actually, I tried looking at renting a van, a passenger van, to see if we couldn't pick some people up on Sunday. But they don't have a passenger van here at the Enterprise here in Plant City. Praise God, amen. <laughs> you know? We were going to rent the van. See, we can't come by and pick some people. Do two trips. Jeff was going to drive it. He didn't know it, but he knew it now. Praise God, amen. <laughs> He's going to drive the van. And see, if we can go pick up some people. Come on, we're willing to do some things. Try to do some things. Hello? To try to reach people. Amen? Amen. Yeah. So God's coming back for a glorious church without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. And that's what he's preparing. And that's what the Great Awakening will be about. To bring in the harvest of souls. Equip the saints and win souls. Amen? Come on, stand to your feet if you would, please. Hallelujah. He's coming back for a glorious church without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for joining us this week. It's our honor to serve you and be part of your walk with Christ. Don't forget to check out our website at lifefamilychurch.net. Have a blessed week and remember, the best is yet to come.